Hey everybody, it's Dr. Heidi with Coaching with Dr. Heidi. Welcome back to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. Rid your life of toxic people. Um, I actually have rain today. Here, here I go with my weather forecast again. I know you guys think it's funny that I insist you know what the weather's doing where I live. But it is raining today and I don't work in the office, so I'll probably clean my house later, which is always refreshing. Um, as you know, a week from today is the It's Not Normal, It's Toxic second annual conference here in St. Louis. We are still taking um, uh, registrations and registration will be open until Monday. Uh, so if you were thinking about that and you have decided, uh, let us know. You can go to coachingwithdrheidi.com for the registration page or you can message us in through my Facebook or Instagram, which is also Coaching with Dr. Heidi. So today on the podcast, I actually have a guest. Her name is Leslie. Leslie, thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, Leslie was a sponsor at the conference last year, and um, she'll probably talk a little bit about that. But Leslie is um, a self-defense instructor, and she does all types of self-defense, but she is also certified in uh, rape and aggression defense. So can you expand on that just a little bit? Yeah, so rape and aggression defense um, primarily is for women and children. So it kind of takes size and strength out of the equation. Um, focusing on toxic relationships, um, acquaintance rape, um, domestic violence, anything in close proximity. So that is where um, your perpetrator is closer than what I would say kicking range from you. Um, as women, you know, we tend to not invite toxic people closer, but we don't, um, you know, necessarily want to stand up for ourselves um, against people we know. And that's when it gets, um, you know, unsafe mm -hmm. is when they are in our personal boundaries. So we have to learn the close range fighting. And we allow them in our personal boundaries because we aren't allowed to have any personal boundaries. That's right. And we don't want to be rude or we don't want to cause conflict, right? Yeah. So, and actually last year, after the conference, um, a bunch mm -hmm. of myself and a bunch of the um, clients that I had, I took a class from Leslie, and it's it's kind of, it's a little bit harder than you think if, if you don't know anything about it. So I've, I keep saying, I'm going to take more, I'm going to take more. Or if you're non-confrontational, <laughs> yes. how about that? Yes, because she has a fake person that you have to practice on, and I felt bad beating up the fake person. That's right. So, so. Um, so Leslie, just a little bit, how long have you been uh, doing safety? So I've been in safety about five and a half years. That's when I started this business. I was doing fitness kind of as a side gig for 25 years, um, and also um you know a lot of just other fitness things but i primarily moved into self-defense and um, personal safety when i realized the lack thereof for women the accessible lack thereof for women well um, you work um a lot with um sexual assault victims also don't that's you? that's right yes we have a sexual assault victims care unit downstairs in our building um, so I do get referrals from them as well. Um, so people with traumatic pasts who have had any sort of like volatile or violence in their past um, are, are good referrals for me. Um, being a woman myself and having been in toxic relationships um, throughout my life, I can definitely 
identify with them um, and know where they're coming from for sure. So the, the, of course, the next thing I was going to ask you was what was the drive behind your passion, but you kind of just mentioned that you've had a series of things like the rest of us. That's have. right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted a way to educate and empower women kind of like me who had been in situations um, like mine or worse, um, trying to prevent that or, um, you know, give them a little bit more courage, a little more confidence, um, build, you know, their physical and mental empowerment, so to speak. Um, actually, Leslie and I were talking about this before, before we hit record, but um, she has a lot of clients that are in situations like many of you that um, you know are financially cut off or not allowed to leave the house or mm -hmm. um, you know just are followed or timed or tracked or you know whatever um, and so she has figured out kind of like the coaching with Dr. Heidi Steph had to do figured out how people can pay her differently or if she has to go to their house or um, she actually just mentioned which I wouldn't be surprised if I say this on the podcast that you don't mm -hmm. get some contacts, but she is now doing classes live. Um, she sets up a, a secret Facebook group so people don't have to leave their house but can still work out with her. Mm -hmm. And so she's very aware of the different situations that people have when they're in toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. and, That's um, right. Or they can't get a babysitter. They're not allowed to leave, mm -hmm. you know. Can't use credit cards. We have to oh. wait to exercise till their kids are asleep, those type of things. So actually, so before we get off here, let's make sure that people have the information on how to get a hold of you okay. if they would want to do that online thing, because I think that's an excellent idea. Um, so what can you tell us about how um, abuse escalates in a relationship oh, yes. and as you see it with your clients? Right. Well, my rule of thumb is no one is violent until they are, right? No one is violent until they are. No until one's all a, of a sudden. No one's a physical abuser until they are. Um, anytime somebody is threatening to kill you, showing you weapons, slamming doors, spitting at you, keeping secrets, grabbing your arms, um, throwing things at you, demanding, stealing your cell phone withholding things from you, harassing you, slapping you, yelling at you. That is all abuse. You know, that is all physical abuse. And a lot of those things... Those are, are all violent. Yes, those are things that, though, if you right. see them every day, you, you think, don't think they're a big deal. Right, because, you think that they're normal. Oh, right. if, I'm, if, I'm, if they're that mad, they hit me. That's mm -hmm. just what happens. But those are all crimes. Those are all cases of abuse. Those are all assaults. Um, spitting at somebody. How many people have had somebody spit at them? That's actually an assault. That's a crime. That's humiliating. It's humiliating, yeah. but yes. You know, but people don't realize their rights, their legal rights, and that's part of the problem. So um, your abuser or perpetrator can kind of convince you that it's not a crime, that nothing's yeah. wrong with that. They can do whatever they want to you. And then the next thing is a little bit harsher and they can convince you that that's, that's right. not a crime either. Mm-hmm, that's right. So um, I would say the primary reason that a lot of women find themselves in physical abuse and, well, it escalates, I would say, to physical abuse um, is because of the keeping secrets, especially when women find out secrets about their 
or not necessarily women, but men and women, um, their partner or their, you know, spouse, their perpetrator, mm-hmm. their abuser, when they find out a secret, then it's game on, mm-hmm. right? Then it's game on. They're going to do anything to keep you quiet, deny it. Right. Um, you know, they're going to pull out all the stops on that one because they need to control the situation as in damage control the situation. Right. So I would say that's when the heat is on. And then it transfers from them doing something they shouldn't to you being a snoop and finding out a secret. Yes. And they're going to punish you for and it. And it takes all the responsibility off of them. So then yes, you get to. Yeah. So punished. I would say that's the heightened stage where, um, you know, it kind of transfers from not just the little things of violence because we mentioned those already, but that's when, you know, it really takes, mm-hmm. takes, uh, and, and, you know, a turn for the worse, so to speak. Leslie does a lot more with, um, physical domestic violence that I do. She sees a lot more of that. Um, mostly because I have chosen to kind of stay in the toxic, um, emotional realm. Mm-hmm. But there's been clients that I have said, okay, now be careful because you are right on the verge of where it's yes. going to turn violent. And it's, it makes me nervous because if they've never been violent, um, the victim, which I, you know, that you guys know, I don't like to use that word because, mm-hmm. um, because we're not victims, we're all powerful. Um, mm-hmm. but it makes, uh, the victim will say, well, they've never hurt me before. So I don't think That's they're that right. tight. And that gets me very nervous because the signs that you're talking about, yeah. I see it coming and about that fast, yeah. it happens. Because if you're walking on eggshells, right, that's the tension phase. That's the yellow. Mm-hmm. So the green is the honeymoon phase, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to make you your favorite breakfast so that you don't get mad at me. Or, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to turn you into the cops for whatever. Or, you know, if I'm just a little nicer and I, you know, mm-hmm. try a little harder, they're going to be nicer to me, right? right? That's the honeymoon phase. That's the green. Then there's the tension, which no matter what you do, it's not right. That's not right. You're going to get yelled at. You're going to get things taken away. You might get financially abused. You might get, you know, kicked. You might get the door slammed in your face. You might get locked, locked out, out of the house, <laughs> right? People thought you might get the yeah. silent treatment. You might get the sent. You know, you might get stalked. You might get spit at. You might get things thrown at you, mm-hmm. or not even at you, but thrown or thrown broken. Or broken. Mm-hmm. Those are all violent. That's violent. If somebody can do that, they can abuse mm-hmm. you physically, sexually, or physically. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say 40% of um, abusers will also use sexual violence as a type mm-hmm. of abuse. Um, and of course, it goes mostly unreported because... You know, you think, oh, that's my husband. Right. I can't turn him in for that. But that is rape. That mm-hmm. is sexual assault. And, I, um, we've and got they use people. that, yeah, for control. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's anytime actually... somebody is stealing from you, um, you know, they are capable of anything, especially when they become desperate. Now, when you get um, drugs or alcohol or gambling or anybody with any sort of an addiction or an addictive personality, when you add that to the mix... Oh my gosh. Yes. And we have times 10, right? Yes. We're going to times. The listeners are going to. Yes. We're going to times that escalation to 10. We're going to take it up, right? Yeah. And the unpredictability. (laughs) That's right. The unpredictability of when it's going to happen goes. In a hurry. And then they're not going to remember. Or they're going to say. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't remember it right, or they could have never done that, you know. Or you push, you push my buttons when I'm in that 
That's state. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, no one is violent until they are. But if you are walking on eggshells now, you are already mm-hmm. um, a good probability that it will escalate to a higher level. And and because eventually we we fight fire with fire. Mm-hmm. And the minute you stand up for yourself, they need to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's the red, you know, when there's sexual violence or physical violence, that's the red. That's, you got to get out. There's no, there's mm-hmm. no hope. <laughs> you know, and sometimes they there's even- There's no hope of staying even, in that relationship. They even convince you that that's okay. Right. Well, if you wouldn't have done that, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had to do that. Or um, if they do feel like you're going to leave or they do feel like they've yes. gone too far, then they're going to threaten you more. Well, you better not say anything or it's going to happen again. Yeah. And so then, again, there mm-hmm. we sit. And know. then that's, yeah, also when you try to leave, that's when they take it up a notch, yeah. right? When they, you know, Always when you try Definitely. To. Keeping secrets, addictions of any sort, and trying to leave them. I'd mm-hmm. say those are the top three and, escalation points. Yes, and I guess here's a, I've, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but this is a good um, spot for me to kind of interject. I have um, clients that are on all different levels of the toxicity spectrum, and I have certain clients that I'm completely comfortable with saying, okay, you know what, when, when he gets home or when she gets home, let her know you're going to leave and walk out the door. Mm-hmm. But there is probably more clients that we work on a safety plan and we mm-hmm. work on a plan of exiting for right. months before it ever happens so mm-hmm. that everything is set and everything is ready. So if you are in a spot where you feel like you can't leave and you need help making a plan, that is another thing that um, mm-hmm. we can kind of help you with. That's right. Um, what recommendations do you have um, for people to do to stay healthy and safe outside of the actual self-defense? Well, you know, that's a hard one, but you have to work on yourself first. I know that's preaching to the choir, isn't it? <laughs> I know. But, um, you know, you have to take down your own stress level, right, in order to see things from a better perspective, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, you want to assess the risk, Um, in your own home. You want to assess the risk in your relationship. And the ways to do that are by using your toxicity profile analysis Mm -hmm. um, to see how far enmeshed your life has been in toxic people, (laughs) perhaps, or the toxic person you're living with. Or, um, you know, in that area, I would see, you know, a good therapist or counselor Especially if you are being abused in any way, that is a must. Absolutely. Um, A coach, some sort of a life coach or a relationship coach in any way can also help. Um, But, you know, exercise, just meditation, um, yoga, those are things that are safe and good for your brain as well as your emotions. But also for physical um, self-defense, you know, how well protected are you? Do you have your basic instincts honed in on? Have you taken any physical classes? Um, If you're living alone, apart from your toxic, possibly abuser, do you have, um, you know, any sort of alarm system, any Mm -hmm. sort of surveillance system? You know, those type of things. You have Mm -hmm. to be really vigilant. When, when stalking is concerned or harassment is concerned, because it's not just for the abuser or the perpetrator in your life, but they also have their group of uh, yes. flying, flying monkeys. monkeys. That's right. Um, 
you know, as and, well. So you, know, you have to be really diligent about who you let in your mm -hmm. life, who you speak to, what you speak about, who are your Facebook friends, what you're posting, uh, on Facebook. what you're posting. But you know, those are all ways to keep yourself safe. Um, even though it technically mm -hmm. isn't physical, mm -hmm. but it I can get physical. The other thing it people don't physical. always think of is where is the spare car key? Right. You know, because if you left with one car key, where's the spare car key? Um, where is the spare house key? Where do you hide your house key? You know, mm -hmm. um, just stuff like that that you might not think of. Right. Um, and, you know, sometimes when we leave, we leave in a panic, and that's the last thing yeah. that you'll think of. So that's why safety plans and that's a right. little preparation. Exit strategies. Is... Um, you know, seek legal assistance, you know, some sort of guidance to know your rights because you've been brainwashed for so long into thinking mm -hmm. that your rights really are not your rights, mm -hmm. that abuse is not really abuse, that assault is not really assault. So you want to seek legal assistance, um, some sort of legal counsel, even, you know, as far as going to the police. They, they can answer any and all questions for you and they're more than happy to do so. You're never gonna be a burden to anybody. That's, I think that's one of the things that I find with, mm -hmm. you know, abuse cases is that the, the um, survivors or victims think that they are burdening people um you know by mm -hmm. tapping into those resources such as legal counsel or um you know the police any sort of law enforcement officer but they're definitely not they they are more than happy and more than willing to help you with any questions that you have um, and of course if you need an order of protection you know don't be afraid to get one now orders of protection are just a piece of paper as we say mm -hmm. um here at the here at the office but um at least it's documented and mm -hmm. that's another thing to keep yourself safe is document 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 yes. and tell your friends or one at least one close trusted friend that knows it all mm -hmm. you know tell them what's going on yeah. day by day play by play even if it's in a text um, just so they know in case it escalates, mm -hmm. right? Because one day is good and the next it's day is bad. It's not good. I agree with uh, Leslie. We run into a lot of the order of protection questions with uh, clients that we work with because um, we know it's going to flare them up if you get an order of protection. Mm -hmm. And um, we also know a piece of paper is probably not going to stop them if they're going to do something or continue to contact you or show up at your door. But in, uh, to Leslie's point, at least it's documented. So further right. down the road, if you need it, at least it's documented that mm -hmm. you have had it. Um, it is a little nerve wracking if you've got one that's unpredictable because you know that mm -hmm. one will flare up. That's right. And I would like to also point out that you should always have witnesses. You should really never be alone, right? Um, if it's gotten to that point mm -hmm. where there's stalking going on or a volatile situation of- Oh, you of, mean like once, if there is an order of protection, try to yeah, keep something Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, a good thought. You know, when you're going somewhere, you know, ask a friend. Have a friend come over for coffee, you know, but you just don't want to be, you know, a sitting duck alone, mm -hmm. especially when things are in that bad, bad mm -hmm. state where they've escalated to that point of being stalked, harassed, all those things. You need a witness, right? The, the other trick that they do, you're making me think of stuff and I'm overtaking your thing. No, but, you go right um, There's an order of protection and they show up at your door and you don't immediately shut the door and call the cops or call authorities, they will then say, well, you should have called them as soon as I got here. So mm -hmm. you violated it too, which then makes us not report it when they walk over it. Mm -hmm. You know, they scare you into thinking that you violated it just like they did. So then, yep. we, you know, it turns it around mm -hmm. that we don't dare use it 
anyway. Or they test the boundaries and push them. Like, oh, I was just asking to, for her to give me my razor back. Or I just, mm-hmm. I needed my, you know, duck hunting boots. Right. Or whatever the case is, right? So then you feel kind of sorry for them. Like, oh, I'm just going to give them this one thing. They weren't really doing anything yeah. mean to me. But then the next time it's something more. And the next yep. time it's something more, right? It's never going to end. So just wanted to point that out. <laughs> so do you do anything with, um, like, meals and stuff like that in your... Or not really. Um, we do like we do meal prep stuff, but you know, really, we just focus on everything else. Yeah, you know. So just but. eat. So she's just saying, just just eat right. Eat right. Yeah, <laughs> eat right. Well, you know what? That's part of the problem is that you know a lot of these um, people who are in toxic relationships are catering to whomever mm-hmm. is their exactly is their uh, toxic person. And so then they gain the weight. Mm-hmm. They don't eat right. They get the indigestion. They get the or they diabetes. don't eat at all. They, yep. You know, whatever the the problem is, they take that on, right? Mm-hmm. They take that on because, but because they feel guilty if they don't make mm-hmm. him or her mm-hmm. her favorite meal, right? They feel guilty if they eat something different. But that's the thing. You have to think of yourself first, right? Yep. Priority me. Um, you have to think of yourself first and say, you know what? Even if you are coping with this toxic person saying, oh, I made you your favorite, you know, mm-hmm. fried chicken, right? I'm, I made myself something different. I'm going to make myself some salmon and rice, right? right? But you have to draw the line because they will drag you down with them right. and that's their purpose. And they'll probably criticize the fact that you're eating salmon and rice. But right. They will drag you down with them, but you have to make that separation. Mm-hmm. You have to draw the line and the boundary on your health, if nothing else, Right. Um, you know, because I've seen it, it's a downward spiral. And when you cater to them and don't draw the line or put the mm-hmm. boundaries up and nobody's going to take care of you, like you will take care of no. you. So Mm-mm. take, nope. you, and know. Then, you know, if they say they're going to eat healthy with you, it'll last for a week, maybe two tops. Right. And right. then they're going to be right back into, well, you haven't made my favorite fried chicken in a while. Right. And, oh, it's a holiday. Let's have this. Oh, mm-hmm. it's this. Let's do that. You know, and then you're slipping right back into it. But you have to put up that boundary and tell yourself, I'm taking care of me. You know, even if you're coping and making them their favorite meal, you still have to make yours separately. And that's just. And expect to get criticized for it. Yes. Expect to get criticized for it. Um, so, Leslie, is there anything else that you want to add? Um, yeah, real quick. I wanted to add. Um, a couple of my favorite quotes, yes, Yay. which are, and you guys probably have all heard these many times. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Yes. Right. <laughs> or also when someone tells you who they are, believe them the first okay. time. Right. Yes. As in when somebody tells you they're going to point a gun to your head and kill you, believe, believe them because mm-hmm. it's not just words, right? It's not always just words. Um, if he is toxic, he can, and he will be physically or sexually abusive at some point or she, right? Um, and then I had one more by Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi. Okay. Where is it? There is it. Anytime we impose our will on another, it is an act of violence. Ooh, that's a good one to remember. Yeah. Anytime... We impose our will on another. It is an act of violence. Yeah, and see, that's ta- hard to believe because we live with that. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
So, I mean, there you go. When they're taking your, your free will away from you, they're imposing their ideas mm -hmm. upon you. And that is right there as an act of violence. Yeah, we get so used to it that we tend to blow it off. And you know what? That's the sad thing. We've both been through it. Yeah. Um, Leslie's been through it. I've been through it. Mm -hmm. So we totally understand it. Um, before mm -hmm. we get off of here, can you tell people how they can find you? So if they want to get in the online classes and stuff? Yes. So I have a studio called All You Studio and Party Place. It's in Troy, Illinois. It's on Facebook. Okay. It's just a regular fitness exercise studio from the Facebook page. Okay. So you can send me a PM through there and it'll go directly to me. You can also text or call my office number, which is 314-649-8220. And I will get those directly. I like to do the texting because um, people don't always feel comfortable asking questions. Mm -hmm. So that is a good way to get a hold of me as well and ask some questions. But the PM um, is on there and also on my Facebook page. You should probably find my email, which is allyoucustom at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, the desensitization of the abuse is, is basically what escalates mm -hmm. the violence in a relationship. Yep, and it's, accept it's us accepting it. Yeah, exactly. justifying it, um, you know creates a trap yeah for anyone that then Even the most intelligent among us right yes sadly sadly but I guess I'm a big every we go what we go through we go through for a reason and everything happens like it's supposed to so that's why Leslie does what she does it's why I do what I do um, if you are coming to the conference, Leslie will be there. So I will be there. Um, I'd love get... to, to meet you. Say hi to me. <laughs> yes, you'll get to meet her. The other thing, um, Leslie has got to win the award for posting the funniest memes on Facebook. I like some days I go straight to her page and I just scroll through her page because her memes are hilarious. So if you just need a good laugh, um, she's sarcastic. She's, it's I love following her. Um, anyway, so thank you for being here. You're and um, if you missed uh, Leslie's information, you can obviously replay this or you can get a hold of me because mm -hmm. I have it. So thanks for listening and um, we will talk to you again soon. Welcome, Connie. Hi, it's good to be back. It feels like it's been forever. I, it actually has been forever and we've been trying to do it for a year and a half. Thank you, COVID. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yes, um, this is my friend, Connie. She is also a former client of mine. And we did a podcast, oh, probably two years ago now on co-parenting. And if you saw her now compared to what she was like two years ago, um, you would understand why I'm having her back. Today specifically, though, um, with the holidays coming up, I wanted to I wanted her to kind of tell her story in in a Dr. Heidi question way about how the holidays have changed uh over time from when she was in a toxic relationship to first being out of a toxic relationship to where you are now and how you deal with the toxic personality as a co-parent during the holidays. So you were divorced before I met you. I was separated. 
We were going through the divorce, yes. When when I met you. Yes. Um, so I didn't know you when you were married. So describe what, in, in however depth you want, what the holidays looked like on the inside of your house um, and events and the things that the holidays bring when you were married and you were in a toxic environment with your children. Okay. So first of all, to the outside world, we looked... We looked awesome. We all had cute little matching outfits. The house was decorated. I had everything in place all the time. Um, I was the the dutiful wife who made sure she got all of the Christmas presents purchased and wrapped. And, you know, he may or may not even know what was going on with it. But on the inside, the discussions were, what are you spending? What are you buying? Why are you getting that? You do realize that you are the worst present giver in the universe uh, and it got to the point where it, it took all the fun out of it I didn't like the holidays anymore and I worried about my own abilities to buy anything and, and quite frankly after he said that there became a point where I no longer wrote cards or bought gifts because I thought I was terrible at it how how did the events during the holiday season go again to the outside world we looked great and everything on the inside was, well, we're not going to spend time doing what you want to do, Connie, because nobody actually really wants to be with you anyway. They don't really like you. They just tolerate you because you're family or you're my wife or whatever. So we're going to spend all of our time with my family because they're the only ones that, that will be with us because they love me. Right. And, and when I asked him one time what family meant to him, he told me that it was his parents and his siblings. And I said, well, what about the kids and I? And he said, no, my family are my parents and my siblings. And he never would respond to the fact that it wasn't me or his children. Yeah, I remember that. The thing I remember about when I was in my uh, former relationship was everything during the holidays seemed so difficult. You know, you get invited to a friend's house and the kids can play together and it should be great and everything should be good, but we have to pick a fight before we left or we had to disappear because they had to go, you know, he had to go do work or he had to do whatever. He would disappear for three hours. So we would be late. Um, you know, I would make something to bring it. Why did you, why did you make that? I don't even like that. Nobody else is going to like that kind of thing, but it was always so difficult just just to make a holiday a holiday because it didn't matter what I was doing, there was always conflict until we got there. And then when we got there, it was just like you're describing. Oh, we're the happiest family and we're so glad to be here. And, you know, sorry we were late. Heidi was busy doing something and then I would take the blame for that. And I just remember thinking, why am I even trying, you know, during the holidays? Mm -hmm. I remember that too. And and we presented well publicly, but once we got to wherever we were going, we separated. And he did what he did, and I talked to who I talked to, and we didn't look at each other or talk to each other the entire time we were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Until it was time to get in the car, and then generally it was late enough that he would just go to sleep and I would drive us home. Yeah. Or Or by the time we got in the car, then it was time to do this big, huge show for our girls. And then it was the whole Santa's coming thing, and... You know, this overblown, ridiculous, exaggerated play, basically. Um, okay, so people that are listening are all, a lot of them are feeling this way because a lot of our listeners are still within the toxic relationships. So they know what it feels like 
um, when plans seem to continually get ruined or something that should be simple seems to be very, very hard. I talked about it earlier. Um, rem remind yourself that this type of behavior is because the holiday takes the attention off of the toxic person. So by picking a fight or by disappearing or by making you late or criticizing you, you know, the attention goes back onto them, which makes them feel a little bit more secure. The holidays are difficult for everybody, but I think the holidays are, are difficult for the toxic personality too, because they're so used to getting all the attention. Um, so when I did meet you, you were already separated. Mm -hmm. So describe to me the first couple Christmases that you went through after the separation, even and, and I knew you through a couple of those. So what did those look like um, compared to what it was like when you were still in the marriage? So it was interesting. Our first year, first couple of years after the separation, once we drew up papers and, and looked at what our plans were going to be about who had the kids when, um, it became very obvious that he told me he would never, ever exchanged time with me, didn't matter what the circumstances were. And his family always does Christmas on Christmas Eve, and my family is more fluid. So I had told him right up front that he could have Christmas Eve every year if he wanted. And he said, no, I don't want that. We'll, we'll stick to what was written, what he wrote with the attorneys. So the first couple of holidays as well as vacations we can talk about vacations in a minute but the first few holidays over the first few years um, if the kids were not with me at the moment I was not allowed to have any communication with them whatsoever nor were any of the people in my family and they weren't allowed to talk to me about their lists or anything it, and he picked a fight about something before every event, whether it would be just me going to my own families, he would pick some kind of fight so that I would be upset. Um, and on Christmas morning, when I would go to pick them up, they wouldn't be ready. And they were grumpy because he kept them out all night until three o'clock in the morning the night before. So it was, it was really rough. And he tried to make sure that he made it as hard on me as possible, including things like texting me and saying, the kids don't like you. They don't like holidays with you. They don't like holidays with your family. They would prefer to be with mine. So I'm just going to keep them. So it was very hard. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, it was in this, this era of your um, exiting and healing that I met you. And I remember Connie saying, I feel like it was easier when I was married. I feel like since I've, since I've gotten divorced, this is way harder for me. Um, and that's where we started working on some things. And that's why I want Connie to tell you how our holidays operate now, which how long have you been divorced now? We've been divorced four years and we're coming up on being apart five years. And she didn't believe me that this would work. And we spent many nights on the phone in frustration when the holidays would come or like she said, vacations or something, you know, significant would happen. Um, and, and we really talked about, you know, what was worth fighting for and what wasn't. And we talked about how the goal of divorcing him was getting him out of your life. It wasn't divorcing him and then still trying to accommodate so he didn't get mad. And that's, that's really what, you know, you were trying to do just to keep the conflict down and make it easier on the kids, which is, which is the number one thing that, that we think about. But, um, how do you handle the holidays now or how have the holidays changed over the last couple of years? Well, I do remember saying to you that I, I wish that I had just not left because it was so much harder and I thought I'd never get past that. But now we're several years out and after lots of 
communicating with you and strategizing about how to handle things. Um, it, nothing has changed with him. Before every vacation, before every birthday, before every holiday, he may have been silent and I've heard nothing from him for four to six weeks. But then when it's time for a big event, all of a sudden I'm getting messages through our family wizard about something that I've done wrong or something that the kids don't like or how they don't want to be with me. And now what has changed is, so let me give you an example. My daughter's birthday is coming up in a few weeks. I have her according to our parenting plan. And I have learned that I have a business meeting that I have to go to. So I already had a conversation with her and explained and said, I will put in a trade into our family wizard, but we both know that your dad probably won't respond to it. And that's okay. Your birthday is a special day, but we can, we can celebrate the, the special day on any day. And that's kind of our new philosophy is we don't have to do anything on the particular day. We can come up with a, an alternative plan so that everything stays calm. So we tend to do that. Um, before every vacation, he tries to stop me from taking the kids and tells me he's going to call the cops and I can't take them out of state. And that used to bother me, but I'm following the rules completely. And so now I just don't answer him. And we go on about our merry way. And as long as I take everything in stride, my kids are okay too. It doesn't bother them when he starts texting them and giving them grief. They just ignore him as well. So we tend to just have our plan in place, know that what we're doing is correct. And if we have to make some kind of change on the fly, then we make a change on the fly. And it's okay because we'll figure out some other time that we'll have fun. Yes, and I use you as an example for a lot of people that I'm working with because you had a vacation once that he did threaten that you couldn't take the kids. And so you and I made a plan and we decided that if the kids were available for pickup, you would pick them up and they would go with you. If they weren't, you were going, you were going anyway. Mm -hmm. And, and it was very difficult for you to get your head wrapped around that, but you did that. And he has, he's never not let the kids go since, has he? There's never been a vacation that he hasn't let them go on. He does a lot of posturing and saying he's not going to let them, but he always has let them go on our vacations. The only time we had an issue was we had a, tickets to a professional baseball game with my entire family, and he told my family that they could go. And then at the last minute, he did not, uh, literally the last minute, he did not allow them to go. And it did not make me very happy, nor did it make anyone in my family very happy. But we called some friends, had them take the tickets, and they went mm -hmm. to the game with us and that was that. We didn't worry about it. And, and, and um, Connie has learned now, too, when it's vacation time, the threats that come up that he's not going to let you take the kids. Uh, he's always very, very last minute. So, you know, it's, it's upsetting, but she's pretty much learned that when it's time for her to pick them up, even though the threats are flying around, they, are, they have been there for you to pick them up, and you've been able to take them. So what Connie has learned to do is... The toxic personality is going to want to fight over everything. And she has really focused, correct me if I'm wrong, she has really focused on handling things the way it's going to keep more peace in her life. How, how can I handle this so peace stays in my life? Because engaging with the toxic personality on any level is going to disrupt your peace. And she's worked very hard and, you know, really, really learned to look at the reasoning behind his behavior. And she can navigate through that now because she knows a lot of it is just 
him trying to still control her. Once she's out of the relationship and the divorce process is over, the only string that's left between the two of them that he can use for control is the kids. And she's done a great job of realizing that it's, it's the only avenue he still has, so it's, it's very likely that he's going to continue to do this, you know, maybe their whole life. Um, let's talk about your kids. She was very concerned about her kids in the beginning, and I, I kind of helped her be able to word some things to her kids where it wasn't, where she was presenting the toxic traits without talking bad about their dad. So Connie will say things like, that's just how your dad is. Or he's been that way since I met him. So the kids start watching the cycle. And she has teenagers now, young, younger teenagers. But they are very much getting, um, getting to know and to watch their dad's behavior. So they're starting to mimic handling him the way Connie does. Yes, that's a fair statement. My daughter, mm-hmm. my older one, is definitely doing that. My son's not quite there yet. but So... Um, what what do you think changed the most in you in how and how you changed how you interact with him? I think there have been two different times where I had aha moments or or went over the edge moments where I was so upset that I knew I couldn't allow myself to get that upset by him anymore. Um, one was probably well over a year ago, and then the other one was this this professional baseball game I was talking about. And both times I made some ultimatums within myself and within my family. So, at, for instance, at the time of the baseball game, I was pretty upset because I knew my family was upset. So I sat everybody down and had a conversation, and by everybody, I mean my entire extended family as well as my children, and said, we're not going to ask my ex for anything anymore because when we do, we put him in a position of power and he waits until the last minute, and then we're all upset. So from now on, we will not ask for anything anymore. And if that means that sometimes uh, myself and my children aren't able to participate in the other family get-togethers, then that's okay. Everybody will be okay. We'll figure it out another time, and we'll, we'll have our own time with you. But don't ask him for anything. So that's taken a lot of control away from him. Um, and then the other thing that I know that has changed within me is And really, I would say this has been more in the last six months. I told myself I wouldn't look at our family wizard unless I got a notification and I set my notifications up for only one time a day. I won't look unless I get a notification that there's something to deal with. And even then, I rarely write any words. If I need to put something on a calendar, I do. I don't ask permission. I just put it on there. I give him all the information he needs. If he doesn't show up for their appointments, I pick them up and take them. If he gets angry, that's okay. He has full information. Um, If he has a question and I can answer it with a picture, I do. But I rarely, rarely write words. And since I've done that, he's lost control. And the more control he's lost, the more control I've gained and the more power I feel in myself. Yeah, and I think one of the big things that you realized is... um, it's it's not as scary as we think it is. You know, we we are governed by fear when we're in these relationships because the toxic personality instills fear. You know, they want us to be frightened about disappointing them and about um, not doing everything right and about upsetting them. So we, we walk on eggshells, which is what everybody can relate to. And I think you realize that the more and more you did that, the less the less fear you had of him. And yeah. if he was mad... He was, he's always mad, so, you and know. To, to that point, I can't remember how many times I probably told you 
but he says he's going to call the cops or he says he's going to take me back to court or he's going to call a lawyer. And I've gotten to the point where I don't care. But number one, he's called the cops on me and they laughed. There was nothing that was going on that was wrong. He has taken me back to court. And that was probably my Independence Day because I had to face him as he acted as his own attorney and questioned me. And I did that and I felt more free than I'd ever felt. And um, as far as whether I'm doing the right things with my kids or not, I no longer worry about co-parenting. I've learned more about parallel parenting. So I don't ask permission. I don't involve him in my decision making. I do what I think is best for the kids and our family as a whole. And then I give him as much information as I can in a very non-emotional way. So again, like putting things on the calendar for him and our family wizard without any words. And I don't worry about that anymore. I know I'm doing the right thing by my kids. Yeah, and I think it's hard when we think about it because the people that step into um, toxic relationships are usually very emotional people because toxic, the toxic personality is emotionally abusive. You've heard me talk about this before. If they can do or say something to make you feel something, make you happy, make you sad, make you upset, make you angry, make you feel guilty, make you feel frustrated, they feel in control of your emotions if they're the ones that are eliciting those. And so when, when I first say, okay, you have to take the emotion out of communicating with these people if, you're gonna, if you are going to continue to parent the children. And at first it's really hard because you're so used to what they say to make you feel fear or make you feel guilty or make you feel upset. And that's the hurdle that Connie has completely jumped over. It, it really doesn't matter what he says anymore. It doesn't really phase her. She has learned that the threats he throws out he throws them out there in hopes that she'll change her behavior and give him what he wants. So she's, she's looked back in her past and gone, yeah, he threatens this stuff all the time and he never follows through with it because I've always fixed it before he's had a chance to follow through. And it doesn't mean that they're not going to call a lawyer and it doesn't mean that they're not going to take you back to court. But at the end of the day, let them. Because what they're trying to do is instill fear in you so that they feel the power. And that was, that was one of the biggest transitions I saw in Connie. She went from being fearful of everything he said and everything he did to it doesn't really matter to her the words that come out of his mouth at this point. She's got her focus on her kids. And she's got when she doesn't have her kids, she has her focus on 100% her life. And, you know, you were just saying you've all of a sudden noticed there's changes in your career because you've been able to actually focus on the things that are going on at work and start building, you know, the growth in yourself. I have, yeah. It's been, it, at first I felt guilty for enjoying myself when the kids were gone, but I fill my time, we, we do a week on and a week off, and I fill my week that I don't have the kids with things for my, uh, my significant other and myself with work, and things that are just for me. And since I've done that, I feel like I'm a much more grounded, happy, content person. The other thing I've been focusing on is, so now I've kind of made it past fearing what he says, and I'm focusing on my own emotions. So it's not bad for me to feel anger or upset, but I now I, I let it hit me, I feel it, and then I let it wash over me and I move on. So I that, I might work through that whole thing in a matter of, five, 10 minutes where it used to be a week or two. I think the other thing, and Connie has realized this too, when we're in, we're, when we're in those type of relationships, our identity becomes based on the people around us. 
So when you're with your spouse, you're a wife. When you're with your kids, you're a mom. When you're with your parents, you're a kid. When you're at work, you're an employee. And sometimes it takes a lot for us to realize who we are when we're sitting in a room by ourselves. And um, I always recommend, if people ask my opinion, not that everybody does, I always recommend, depending on the kids' age, to do the week on, week off. Because you, you figured out, I get to be mom for a week, 100%, and I get to be Connie for a week, 100%. And that, that is what brings your independence and your identity back to who you are and who you lost while you were in that relationship. I remember something that made a big change for me was um, for the longest time, I only thought of myself as his wife, their mom, um, somebody, you know, the, the employee at work. And then I was at a one of the kids' baseball games one time, and a woman that I was not even that close with, I was acquaintances with, but not close, looked at me and said, I've really missed you. And I said, oh, I'm, I know I've missed a few games. And she said, no, I've missed you. I've missed Connie. I haven't seen Connie in a number of years. I'd like to see her again. I hope she shows back up. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, it was sweet, but I was surprised to hear that from somebody. And I didn't realize that anybody would care enough about who I was. And it it made a big change for me to go back and think about, okay, who am I? What do I offer? What do other people see? And not only what do they see, but what do I see in myself? What do I want to be? Yeah, and when you said that, it is so true. The only eyes you see yourself through are the toxic person's eyes. You know, whatever they've said or whatever they think or however they've made you feel. Um, if you've been in a relationship that's been longstanding, that's how you see yourself. If we would look at ourselves through the way other people see us, we'd be super surprised at what people see. Yes. So going into next week, which is Christmas, do you have any anything, any tips or any just quick um, suggestions for the listeners? I, the most basic of which would be try to go with the flow. So I can already tell you that going into next week, there's talk of can he have the kids on Christmas Eve um, and me have them on Christmas Day, which is not what we have written down. But then there's the then he's coming back and saying, but I'll never do anything that your mom wants. And I just had a conversation with my kids and said, it's your Christmas. It's your time. You are old enough, though, to work it out. So come to me before you leave to go to your dad's and let me know what your final plans are. And whatever you come up with will be fine. And, and I meant it. I'll be able to make a plan to do whatever I want for Christmas, whether it be with them or be with other friends. And it'll be fine. So as simplified as you can make it and go with the flow as you can make it, that would be my advice. Yes. And she's she has made it that she is going to live her life regardless of what the kid's schedule is and regardless of the things that he tries to throw into the schedule to disrupt her schedule. So she's, the kids are, the, it's great if the kids get to go with her, but if it ends up that the kids don't, she's going to do it anyway and everything's going to be fine. And I think, I think that's probably the biggest thing that people need to realize. As, as anxious and as up, uprooting or disruptive this feels, in the end, everything really is fine. It really is. And when I, Heidi told me for the longest time, and my kids really struggled. I, I would say for well over a year, they were in a pretty bad place. But when I finally got myself to be okay and not panicky and not fearful and not upset all the time, once I got myself to a good place, the kids fell in line and they were in a good place. 
So it's true. It's just like they say on the airplane, you need to get your mask on first because once I was okay, they were okay. And now they deal with things in stride as well. And I think that you use that to even calm yourself down in situations. You know, I kept telling her, as long as they see you as being okay, they're going to be, they're going to be fine. And, and I remember you calling me several times going, I have to remind myself that if I'm okay, the kids are okay. And you started seeing it very quickly. I did. It, it, they really turned around quickly once I turned the corner. See, it's so exciting. And we're, I don't know how many years, four years, five years into knowing each other. Um, and Connie is completely, she's not a completely different person, but she handles things completely, completely different. And all of you that are sitting there facing this holiday season, just know that, you know, three years ago, she was facing it too. And she is now starting to have the very best holidays of her life. I really am. It's, it's amazing what you can do when you don't worry about everything. And, and that doesn't even apply just to the toxic person, but to everybody. Mm-hmm. And Heidi told me one time she used to worry about when she walked in a room who would like her. And now she wonders who she's going to like and want to hang out with. And that's kind of my new motto. When I walk into a room now, it's like, well, I don't have to worry about whether people like me or not. I just have to enjoy myself, see what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And if they don't like you, so what? Yep. I know that sounds awful, but that's that's the way we protect ourselves and that's the way we take care of ourselves. And that's honestly the way we keep peace in our life and the way we find happiness. Very true. Well, thank you for being here again. No I know this was a surprise last minute, but I'm glad that you did it. Um, if you are not in the Strength Within support group on Facebook, um, it is a community of like-minded people who are in the same situation. It is a private group. So there's a lot of encouraging support in there. So if you're one out there that's looking for a support system, uh, you can find it on Facebook by searching Strength Within. There are a few questions you need to answer in order to be admitted. Um, I, I try to screen the people that come in just for the safety of the others in the group. But to all of you, have a happy holiday. And we will be talking to you soon because now it's getting close to the time where we are going to start doing the new stuff for the new year. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Dr. Heidi. So today on the show, I actually have, um, she's a very dear friend. Um, I've known her for about five years and she came to me as a client. That is actually how I met her. She has been on a previous podcast. She's on one of the co-parenting podcasts with me a couple years ago, but I have watched this woman transform in her journey of healing from the toxic relationship she had in her life. And going into the holiday season, I started thinking about how differently she handles this season with her now former and the kids than she was doing three years ago. And so um, I want her to be able to share some of the things that she realized, some of the things that she's implemented, and just want you to hear from her how in the three years She's made the changes that she has needed to in order to make the holiday season still happy for her. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. 
Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. 
Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic.